Hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters. That's the show where Reformed Christians, that'd be us, uh, dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson. Jacob Johnson is joining me today as well. Someone's trying to mix some stuff up a bit here. No, I just literally forgot the script. <laughs> oh. So unlike Monday last, when you were trying no, to change the week. script, today you're forgetting the script entirely. Yes. He thinks we should just stick I, to the script. <laughs> Read. And then maybe you should first write. <laughs> Apparently that's necessary. All right. Today we're digging into chapter six and seven. This is our last week with this book. Um, yeah, it's been a doozy. If you've been following all of our previous episodes on this book with this, uh, on this topic with this book, then yeah, you'll know it has been, wow, quite the adventure. Um, we are going to do our best to, um, and here's why I'm actually going to explain what, what we're going to do our best to do this episode, (laughs) but first I have to give you context. These may be two of the most controversial chapters in this book for For us. us. Yes. Yeah. Not for a lot of other people. They focused on stuff in the previous chapters, which wasn't a huge, huge, huge deal to me. Sure. Yeah. It's important. It's good. These, though, are like majorly societal changing, uh, vision changing, modifying. Like these things will change how you live. And what your goals are for the for a society, Christian society. And this is where we because we've studied these topics kind of the most over the last two years. So mm-hmm. it's it's a little it's a little raw. Um, so we uh, have some disagreements, um, <clears throat> some pretty strong ones with these two chapters. So we're going to be addressing those. But, um, you know, there's also some good things, of course. So we'll sprinkle those in because we don't want to beat up on them entirely. But, hey, if we disagree we are reviewing this book, um, so we, I think, have a right to some slight disagreement, and we hope to substantiate those and not just run wild, but actually provide logical arguments for why we believe uh, he's incorrect on, on some of these things. So, um, But before we do that, we have to do what we always do, which is uh, talk about our verse of the week, passage of the week. Jake, Wednesday is uh, your job. Wednesday is your time to shine for the verse. So uh, take it away. So... This week, we are discussing Psalms 10, sorry, 110, there we go, uh, Psalm 101, 110, verses 2 through 3. It's funny yes, to say. I can, I can say words, but um, these verses say, <laughs> yeah, these verses say, the Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness. From the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. Um, something that uh, these two verses doesn't p- really portray, that if uh, Bruce was showing me this earlier, but um, something that the entire chapter wa- um, shows, and that it really makes sense in context, to these verses, but this this chapter, as it's very well titled, um, sit it uh, my sit at my right hand, and that is uh, God saying saying to Christ, sit in my right hand until I make all of your enemies a footstool, uh, and this this chapter is basically the chapter of a warrior warrior king. 
and that is the fact that a lot of a lot of the wordings in it is very warlike and very kingly like really um but is in a sense conquering um you see you see throughout it um this the rod of thy strength out of zion rule in the midst of thy thine enemies um thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power in the beauties of holiness um and so very very interesting the psalm the psalms are very good at portraying kind of the the conquering nature of god being that you know david was a conquering king really um so it it yeah. made a lot of sense in that type of context with who david you know, was what you just said jake i wonder if uh does that to you maybe sound like a reason why we stopped singing them for so long in our recent even jellyfish history? Mm. Mm. A little too, a uh, little too powerful, a little too potent. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Sorry. What was that? I didn't mean to cut you off. Was that? Uh... No, that, that was basically it, but I like that last little bit yeah. of insight, That's... but yeah. yes, that these Psalms are like, uh, Really, if you think about it, these psalms are battle cries. These psalms oh, yeah. are what we Absolutely. sing as we go forth into the war, the cultural war that we face. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Amen to that. Um, yeah. So there's so many stories. Even I've just been here for like almost two months and already there's been so much confrontation just from us singing the psalms and people not liking that. Uh, but <laughs> Another, another time for storytelling. <laughs> yes, they are definitely war cries. Um, all right. So thank you for that breakdown, Jake. Today, <clears throat> I'm going to be talking about some contradictions. And we've kind of been addressing this the whole way through. I think part of it, I will give him some credit. I hate that this is giving him credit. But yes, I have to say the reason he some partly the reason he contradicts himself is because his language is very verbose. Um, the vernacular he chooses to utilize is just absolutely massive. And maybe a previous generation would understand him a little bit better, but our current generation can't. <laughs> right. And um, I think because, you know, part of that is he's so steeped in uh, reform tradition and uh, the reformers and, um, and you got to hand it to him. He's very aligned with the reformers, right? This whole way through, we've acknowledged that many times. Um, he's very aligned with people like Calvin and all of the old reformers. And so he's in good company and a lot of what he has to say is good stuff, right? Um, but we also acknowledge that um, God teaches every generation something new. It's not to say we throw out everything the previous generation learned, but we are growing, we're learning, we're being brought from one degree of glory to another. And so and so throughout that process, there are things that we know now that weren't known then, right, um, that we discover in the word of God, that we learn and we build on the foundation of the reformers. But that doesn't mean we're in lockstep, one-to-one, believe literally every single thing they believe, right, because they are fallible human beings too. Um, and so I think that that's where things start to break down a little bit for us. So, yes, there's contradiction, and I think it's because of his language. But then also there's just straight-up regular contradiction. Page 245, he says, quote, 
natural law prescribes universal principles and universal conclusions from those principles. Okay, short quote, but it gets to the point. Okay, the heart of this is he believes that there are universal principles, universal conclusions. But as we'll see in a minute, notice where he places those universal universal conclusions and universal um, principles. <clears throat> he says natural law prescribes. Now, we're going to come back to this universality argument in a minute, but notice where he doesn't. Where is he not placing universal trust? It's a little scary. We'll get to that in a second. All right. Page 249, he says, quote, the important point here is that civil law, when true and just, is neither arbitrary nor has its force from the will of the magistrate alone. Rather, it orders civil life in accordance with a higher law and has its force from the higher law, namely the natural law, end quote. Here we go again, right? Deriving from natural law and saying that civil law, when true and just, is not arbitrary and it has force behind it, right? And it's not just the force of the civil government. That's what he's saying here, right? When a law is just, when a law is true, it's not arbitrary, and it doesn't just have the force of the civil government. Agreed? We can agree with that. Up to that point? Mm -hmm. Amen. Absolutely. Right? Laws that are just and true, we would add a clause and say, and are based on the word of God. That's the only way they can be just, is if they're based on the word of God. Right? Um, so if they're based on the word of God, they're just, they're true. They're done in a, <clears throat> with an upright heart in front of God to that purpose, then we can say that, yes, they're not arbitrary. Then they don't just have the force of the will of the magistrate. They also have the force of God behind them, right? Because the civil government is what? Minister of whom? Of God, right? So it does have this extra power. But notice where, he, again, same deal, notice where he places that power. He says um, it has its force from that higher law, not the Bible, he says, namely, the natural law. Again, mm. very shaky territory, okay? And you can make arguments. You can go round and round and round in circles, making logical arguments all day long. Uh, Jake and I debated some of this. Didn't debate, actually. I was just trying to understand what the heck his version of natural <laughs> law is. <laughs> we came to a conclusion Hoping it's his conclusion. Who knows? But we ultimately, obviously, well, even with so, him. he he gave his conclusion in the very you first um, <clears throat> quote. There, what what is yeah, he saying? True. Natural well, law, no, but uh, what of what natural law is right? Um, yeah. So, but he he didn't say in the first quote what natural law was. But when we were talking, we were trying to talk about hey, what is this natural law thing? And we came to some interesting things. If we have well, some time, even maybe so, we can like just. That. Yeah, I, you probably have a lot more, but I do think that that first quote gives you a good in, in indication as to what, what he considers natural law to be. Yeah, seems like he considers it something that prescribes universal principles and universal conclusions from those principles. So it's some overarching force, external entity, some vague thing that we then can derive universal concepts from. That seems to principles, be yeah, yeah, right. So, but what? What is that? We'll get to this in a second. Um, okay, page two fifty. 
quote, an important principle of civil law is that its reach is limited to things that the other spheres of life cannot effectively regulate to the common good. Yes. Hammer, like, hits it on the head. I just, I wish, I wish every quote in this book were this good. This is gold right here. I'm going to read that again because it's so good. An important principle of civil law is that its reach is limited to things that the other spheres of life cannot effectively regulate to the common good. And then we'll go on. Thus, the individual, family, society, civil uh, associations, and churches have primacy in ordering the things of life. When the other spheres can effectively determine suitable action, civil authorities should not interfere. End quote. Now, again, this is a little uh, wobbly, right? It's a little bit like trial and error. Um, so I'm not a huge, it's a little too pragmatic for my taste. Um, but, uh, as, as we'll get to in a minute, I'm one of those Westerners, Western thinkers who wants a universal law outside of himself, which, uh, he doesn't like, but we'll get to that in a second. But, uh, I think that this is a little too arbitrary, but it's good. It's getting to the right point. We just got to go a little further and we got to say, no, we can't just say, okay, what can you do, family? What can you do, church? What can you do, individual? And you can do all that. Great. Whatever's left over, civil government gets that. We're on the right path, but we've missed the mark. <laughs> right? In fact, I think it should be the other way around. What are the limits of the civil government? It is the justice division of society with a limited role of defense. Those two things and those two things alone, it can't do anything else. It can't build roads. It can't do anything. Right? Can't do education, welfare, whatever. And then we say, okay, there's the box. It's in it. Now it's up to you all, individual church family, take whatever's left. Go. Which is pretty much everything else, which is a lot of stuff. Right? I think you should look at it from the other side and not say, well, you know, whatever the family, church, and individual can't do, then the civil government will fill in the gaps. Like, that's how we get tyranny. <laughs> right? And that's... And more than that, that's contrary to the, to the word of God, I believe. Okay, I'm going to get through these. I'm going to move uh, several quotes down because we just simply don't have time. I'm going to pass it over to Jake in just a quick moment. Um, but uh, let's see here. Where's a, good, where's a good spot to move down to? Oh, yeah. Okay, page 263. He pulls in a Thomas Aquinas quote. And if you're not familiar who he was, he was a, a theologian. Um, I think it was like, the 1200s, 1300s, something like that. He actually impacted Catholic, Roman Catholic theology uh, mm -hmm. still to this day. Um, so he's a you know, Catholic theologian. Um, but anyways, Aquinas said, quote, general principles of the natural law cannot be applied to all men in the same way on account of the great variety of human affairs. And hence arises the diversity of positive laws among various people, end quote. And he uses this to prove his point, although I would argue it disproves his point. <laughs> this, this is actually kind of exactly contrary to his initial statement, which was that natural law prescribes universal principles. Universal, right? And here Aquinas, he's pulling in to support his statement saying, Aquinas says general principles of the natural law cannot be applied to all men in the same way. Anyways, that's a little bit of the opposite of what he's saying. All right, I'm going to wrap up with this um, because this, I think, gets to the heart of why I disagree with this chapter so strongly. 
And it's not because of his definition of theonomy later. It's not because of his whole section on theonomy. I think he does a fair job. And he actually says that theonomists are going in the right direction. He wishes there were more of us. Um, he's sad to see that there aren't as many uh, because he thinks that we go in the right direction. And I'm like, oh, that's, thank you. you know, appreciate that. That's, that's really nice. Um, and then, you know, he says this sort of thing. Um, page 264, quote, supplying a set of laws, in my judgment, only feeds into the tendency of Westerners <laughs> to, re to retreat to universality, whereby people look for something outside themselves to order themselves concretely. Isn't that what the Bible tells us to do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Continuing, a people need the strength, resolve, and spirit to enact their own laws. And they should not... Here we go. You ready for this? This blew my mind. They should not seek some universal blueprint they can rubber stamp into law. End quote. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. I just... <laughs> that to me was like... No, like there's no, there's no way to get around that. That's not right. That's not biblical. If, if you want to, if you want to get anything right in this world, if you want to have just laws and a just people, you need a universal standard from the creator. And oh, look, he gave us one. He gave us an example of an entire society that we can model and write our laws after. And in case you're yeah. wondering, that's how we got the freest nation in the history of the world, second only to Israel itself, right? Back in the day, that's how we got America. It was because the founding fathers did just that. They went right to the example, right to Israel, right to the book of Deuteronomy, and said, how did they do it? That's how we're going to do it, because that's the example God gave us. So anyways, so much more. Um, I don't have, I simply don't have time to break down all of his arguments, but there are a lot. Um, and I hope I've done a decent job outlining um, our distinctions and why we disagree with, with this chapter. So, so I know for, for me, I'm going to go a little bit more specific or at least um, portion a little bit more on that natural law. And really speak nice. about the natural law and natural revelation divide, and what, how they're different. Um, yeah. So basically, for the entirety of my talking points and all the things that I will be discussing, I will kind of be, in a sense, reacting, but negatively reacting with Wolf's points um, in this chapter. I disagree with a lot of it. However, I do have some things that I do agree with, and I will bring those up, and I will uh, talk to those, because I don't think that we should just focus on the bad, bring up some of the good, say there's there's a balance to, to his nice. arguments, let's focus on both. So, starting first, I will start with the first quote found on page 283, and it says, God does not, ordinarily, declare by special revelation that this or that person has civil power. Rather, it is a characteristic property resulting from nature, writes Suarez. Uh, end quote. So, uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Bruce, special revelation is the Bible. Correct? Good. That's my understanding. Uh, yep. Yes. Okay. 
It, as he may as, have redefined that term too, so I don't know. I don't he <laughs> know might what he have, means by it, but, but usually yes. <laughs> yes. I, I didn't see it being redefined, so I will take it in its in the definition that it's most widely known as. So while yes, God does not specifically say who is and who isn't supposed to be rulers by name, God does tell us the criteria as what makes a good or bad ruler. So he states who should be and who shouldn't be a ruler based on certain guidelines and criteria. So in a sense, yes, he does tell us who who can and who cannot be a ruler. Um, also, it isn't just nature for men to choose a good ruler. In fact, by nature, man is totally depraved and will choose wrong rulers. I mean, you look no further than our Amen. current day and age in society. Yeah. Um, to continue on, Wolf goes on to quote Suarez further. Uh, Suarez states, uh, Suarez is a, um, a person that Wolf is mentioning in the chapter. Read the chapter to figure out a little bit more about him, but I, I don't want to focus on that because I don't have a whole lot of time. Uh, page 283 again, um, Suarez says, this civil power does not emerge in human nature until men gathered in one perfect community and unite politically. Once constituted, this body is at once, and by force of nature, natural reason, the site of this civil power. The power is correctly understood, then, only as a property entailed by such a myst mystical body so constituted. So, to try and break this down and kind of summarize it, um, here... Right, it's probably the one quote, one of the quotes I agree with and I like. Wolf basically, and, and through Suarez, he is basically describing natural revelation, which this is our whole whole point. This is what we're trying to set up here. Wolf is saying that it is only natural for when men come together, or at least a community comes together, um, they will, uh, at least, they will set up they will set up camp, right, come together in one place, and they will begin to form a government. They will start putting in rules, regulations. They will start um, talking about different things from, from a more civil perspective, trying to make sure there's order, make sure there's rules. So, and this is what I would define as natural revelation. And I would... And to give you a, a brief, and at least my definition of natural revelation as to what I've seen, um, and ho and I think, yeah. So, um, basically, God designed in the world, like how an engineer would design an engine, um, that there is God's order throughout all of the world. For example, the engineer designs the engine to only work with fuel not water. When water is used in the engine, it breaks, right? You don't fill your car engine with water and expect it to still work. God designed the world to function in one way, and if we break away from that function, things end badly. Things do not work out correctly. A man and a woman who are, who are designed to be the only parties in the marriage, if there is anything other than that, it breaks. Again, we see yeah. our our culture today. 
Now, natural revelation normally comes coupled with natural law, as Bruce was describing, in, in, in most people's eyes. And uh, we'll explain a little bit about that later on. Um, however, hopefully that gives you a good idea that the creator of this world designed within this world a framework, a blueprint, if you will, that it works this way. And if you start going away, going away from the natural order of things, things start not working. However, I do have to say that it's not a form of law. And I I will get into that. Uh, Page 285, Wolf says, The proper motivation to submit arises not from viewing domination as a good in in itself or from a psychological need to feel dominated. These are effeminate motivations. The proper motivation is quite the opposite. Submission is motivated by the rational need for ordered liberty wherein one finds opportunity to act with his neighbor, for his own and his neighbor's good. Um, this is in reference to the civil government. Uh, why should men be taking submission to the civil government? I like this. Um, and it, it, it's kind of basic. I think we all kind of know this from reading Romans thir- uh, 13. Um, but our submission to the government as men is one of rational order. We don't do it because we want to have someone over us pushing us down or that we want to be dominated. Um, But we do it for the good of other people to have an order, to have a godly order. Very simple, very easy. Moving on to my next quote. Uh, Page two. Briefly. What is that? Ten seconds. Okay. So we do it, I would argue, because God told us to do it. Right, which which again reasserts where we get our motivation. That's true. Yes. So we don't do it because we we prag- pragmatically look at history and see when men yeah. don't do it, things go badly. We do yes. it because Romans yep. thirteen tells us to do it <laughs> right. under a just civil right. government. Right. So that that's that's our motivation. That's why we do it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's very 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 key. And I didn't realize that at first. But in a sense, even this one is kind of pushing that sort of natural law. But um, uh, again, I'm going back to page 286. Wolf says, civil power, and, and this, um, to get out of the quote for a second, this one is where I find the most egregious error. Um, but Wolf says, civil power being original, original to God, the prince... The prince, uh, that is what Wolf describes as the civil government. The prince meditates God's divine civil rule. He, he is not a steward or a simple administrator, as if he simply, simply promulgates a divinely described civil code. Rather, he makes public judgments in application of God's natural law, effectively creating law, though derivative of natural law, and he has the power to bring about what he commands. Oh, wow. Ow, Imagine. Ow. <laughs> it's so... Sorry. So, <laughs> that, just, like, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and now we come back to this discussion of natural law. Natural law, at least given the context Wolf is giving here, the nature... That in and this is this is his basic definition I, from Bruce's quote that he gave earlier about the universal principles, which I would 
<clears throat> describe as those principles are what he's claiming is a law. Um, but this the definition that Wolf is creating is that nature gives us law, and that law is God-given. Therefore, it is perfect, and we need to follow it. However, that view has to come from a Christian who doesn't understand or doesn't know that God already has given us a law to follow. Directly stating the law to us. Right. There is no We don't no need law. to be pragmatic and pragmatists. Yeah. We don't need right. to like figure out, oh, will this work? I don't know. Let's try it. Right. Let's study history, see if it works. No, we don't need to. We have the ultimate law book mm-hmm. in front of us. It tells us ex- yeah. exactly what to do. Why would we not use it? <laughs> right. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. There is no law apart from God's law. Amen. Also, to directly react to the quote, Wolf says, um, and, and this is to give you the quote again so you understand it. He is not a steward or a simple administrator as if he simply promulgates a divinely prescribed code. Except that is exactly what the civil government is supposed to do. God has given the law to all of us through special revelation. So the civil powers then enforce that law, punishing those who go against it. Yes, they are literally following God's law. They literally have to put God's law into the code book. And people have to follow it. Yep. Yes. Well, did you... Sorry, I don't... Uh, I, I do have one up. last one, quick... and actually, okay, no, I will end there. I okay. I will end there because the next one, the <laughs> oh, next no, one really doesn't. <laughs> no, no, the next one really doesn't fit in with this discussion. However, I do okay. want to briefly, I guess, go back over what we were just saying. Natural law, by definition, to these people, to people who believe in natural law, and I, we're we're kind of stating this as more of an overarching thing. That a lot of people yeah. believe this is not just Wolf. Yeah. It's it's sad that we think that we have to go to nature to find law when God has given it to us already. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Natural revelation yeah. is different. And some even, Doug Wilson being one of them, says that we should say natural natural revelation should be called natural law. And he has his reasons for it, but he still has the same kind of definition. I'm not exactly sure on that same definition as natural revelation, which would be that God created a framework into society. He created this world and therefore this world works by his design. So things work differently. Like why, why do some people have an innate desire to do certain good things, right? Why, why is there, why are those, those little things? Well, we would say that it is because we were created in the image of God. We were created yep. by God and in his image. I mean, why imagine, would people imagine you were given a new car <clears throat> and you'd never seen a car before, never operated it. And mm-hmm. you're not exposed to the internet, you have no internet capabilities, you have no one around you who has ever used a car before, you're just distraught in front of you. Could you pragmatically figure out how it works? Sure. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, if you had no other options, 
You had no other way to operate this car. Okay, well, let's see what this does. Let's uh, turn this thing. Let's, oh, look, this opens up. I wonder what happens if I pull this out and then do the same thing. <laughs> you, know, like, mm-hmm. you know, like you could pragmatically destroy it right? <laughs> is what you could do. You might also 50-50 shot, you're going to die. 50-50 shot, you might actually drive the thing. Who knows yeah. what might happen. Now, imagine, if you will, a scenario where someone comes out of the bushes. I'm using that on purpose. And gives you a rule book gives you the The instruction manual manual. on how to use the car, right? Let's say for instance, I don't know, maybe this bush was on fire. I don't know. There's no similarity (laughs) there at all. Gives you this instruction manual. Would you be stupid if you said, nah, I can sort this out on my own. Thanks though. Appreciate it. And then you go and blow up. Yeah, that's stupid. Sorry. (laughs) no. Yeah. <laughs> Natural. Now, now imagine and, and I, for, to make this even more realistic. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Jake. Imagine you were blinded, right? You had this dark fog over your head and you could barely see your hands in front of you, right? And imagine your hands started just moving on their own. That's us with sin clouding us. Mm-hmm. Now drop that dude in the same scenario who didn't really have a shot before. Now blinded. <laughs> How's he gonna do now? You know? <laughs> yeah. Just so in a sense, uh, I wanna briefly mention why why do we have natural revelation? Why do we think natural revelation is right or good? Um for the same reason, and I, I think biblically you can definitely go to the fact of um throughout the Bible saying that the, that the rocks and trees proclaim God's handiwork, right? Those verses keyly and specifically say that they're, for some reason, the rocks and the trees are saying something to us. They're hmm. proclaiming something to us. They are proclaiming God's handiwork. They were sh- revealing yeah. God to us. And, and those, and those can be seen in the things of yeah. God have been made clear to them through the things that are yes. made, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it reveals to un- to the unbeliever that, God exists. Even if they've yeah. never heard of God, never seen his word, they yeah. know God exists. They know. And that's why they they are left blame uh they that's no why excuse. they are Yeah, without excuse. There we go. That's that's the word I was looking for. So that as well. Um Yep. So I think there are other things that could be talked about. I understand we need <laughs> to stop. But um there are other things. Uh, a lot of people are discussing about natural revelation. So I don't want to say that that is it for yeah, certain comprehensive. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, however, I do think that that's the most important and that's where we should focus on. However, there is more and it's still being yes, discussed. It's a vast so we don't discussion. know everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, hopefully, um, this gave you insights into this book. Um, let us know, leave a comment below like this video share it around um and uh we'd love to hear from you on uh whether you agree disagree some verses you want to bring up some other quotes what have you but this has been our review of christian nationalism case for christian nationalism by stephen wolf starting a brand new book next week and stay tuned for that the calendar will be out shortly jake thank you as always for all those insightful quotes appreciate it until friday we uh yeah we got friday episode coming up this week so stay tuned for that and uh yeah we will see you on friday
And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord.